comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Facebook, no Twitter, no smartphones, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Podcast. I'm Jordan from Jersey, and I'm joined tonight by Mr. Brad Milo, Mr. Jim Dietz, and Mr. Russell Latham, and hopefully Johnny M. will join us later. Tonight, we're taking a break from the commentaries and talking a whole mess of Walking Dead news, because just today, as we record this, Walking Dead issue 100 came out. Uh, last week, episode 2 of the Telltale point-and-click game came out. There's a bunch of San Diego Comic-Con news and a bunch of other stuff we're going to talk about. So, how's everybody doing tonight? I'm doing well. Fantastic. Hello to all of our zombies and zombats out there. Before we forget, I'm sorry, before I forget, I just wanted to give the Twitter love to who it was due. Jim got some Twitter love from one of our followers. Uh, She says, I love listening to you guys, and I would never want to pick favorites. But Jim's smooth, dark, chocolatey, velvet voice is awesome. I am the secret weapon of the Walking Dead TV podcast. Thank you very much. I won't out the listener, but uh, that's always kind when somebody says something nice about any of us. That is great. And I'd like to say something nice about our sponsor, too, before we get a little uh, too far into the news. Uh, DCBService.com. If you say, uh, we're talking tonight about Walking Dead uh, issue 100 after the break, we'll get a little spoilery. But if you want to catch up on the comics in the offseason while we're waiting for season three, the uh, the most uh, economically effective and cheapest way to do that is DCBService.com. You can save 30, 40, sometimes 50% on all of your new comics, graphic novels, uh, the Walking Dead compendium, the Walking Dead hardcovers, uh, the trades, however you want to read the comics to catch up that also counts toward you know walking dead merchandise uh, action figures t-shirts you name it check out their site dcbservice.com and if you use the code wd8 in your first time uh order or you haven't ordered anything for them from them in a year you get an extra eight percent off on top of their already insane discounts uh it's a great place to get your comics and uh, they're great people so dcbservice.com so j- just to Echo what Jim said and run down some of the specials uh, this month and some of the ongoing stuff they have. So the new 52, as you know, with DC, they've they've restarted their comics uh, back from number one. They've they've got 52 ongoing series as well as a couple miniseries and other stuff that they have thrown in there from time and again. But they're actually doing uh, coming up um, right after the issue 12s. They're doing uh, 55 issues that are numbered zero, and uh, if you order them in a bundle, you can get them for 50% off at DCBS, which is an awesome, awesome deal. If you've if you've been into the, 
you know what DC's doing with the new 52, then that's a great way to take advantage of uh, sampling not just the launch titles, but they've they've rotated some in and rotated some out. So it's kind of a good way to uh, to sample some new stuff as well. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo hardcover is also 50% off, so that they've uh, actually translated the books and the and the movies, I should say, as well into comic book form. So if you've been waiting to get that in trade, the hardcover is half off, which is which is excellent. The other thing you could do at DCB Service is you can earn 5% of your Comixology orders um, when you if you go to the DCBS um, homepage and place Comixology orders through DCBS, they'll refund 5% of your purchase through your DCBS order. So when you combine that with the WD8 code and and if you if you buy some digital comics, you can uh, you can get yourself a stacked discount even even better. Um, especially right That's now. That's insane. It's crazy. Um, it's insane. <laughs> depending on when you listen to this, it started uh, July the 10th, and I think it was going for six days total, so it'll be between now and July 15th. They have um, all of the Walking Dead issues in digital form through Comixology for half off. Um, they've even got special digital uh, omnibuses that collect 33 issues apiece. Um, all of the single issues are all at 99 cents. Uh, the trades have been bundled at their four ninety nine a piece, which is six issues for four ninety nine. Um, those omnibuses, which have thirty three issues, are twenty five ninety nine in the digital form. Um, so you can you can like we said, you can um, take advantage of great savings at Com- Comicsology through DCBS. So um, there you have it. We thank them for their sponsorship as always. Very cool. So let's jump into the first bit of news. And as we speak, uh, Comic-Con in San Diego is just starting and will be running through, I guess, Sunday. I believe they're Wednesday through Sunday over there. Yeah. Not a whole lot of stuff on Wednesday or Sunday, but the the rest of the days will be very big. Preview night. Yeah, exactly. And if you are lucky enough to be at San Diego Comic-Con or unlucky enough, depending on how you want to look at it and how much the people around you are sweating profusely, uh, you might be able to pick up some really awesome Walking Dead exclusives in addition to many other awesome movie, comic book, video game and other toy exclusives that they have there. So here are some of the Walking Dead ones that they have available in San Diego just for these few days. Or later on eBay for a much, much higher price. Uh, there is a Walking Dead Rick and Zombie Minimate 2-pack. Now, Minimates are those little, uh, they're almost like Lego minifigures, except they're a little bit taller. They're made of a soft plastic, and usually they're superheroes or something like that. But here we've got Walking Dead Rick and a zombie. This is the first that's been being released, but there will be more sets in the future with a bunch more different characters. Then there is a Walking Dead Governor t-shirt. And it's a black t-shirt with uh, black and white uh, artwork on it and the words, kill them all. We won't go into that any further to avoid spoilers. There's also, of course, The Walking Dead issue 100, which we'll be talking about later. There are seven different covers available for The Walking Dead issue 100 at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. And there's more than that in the retail stores. There's the eight conventional covers, there's the Chromium cover, and then there's, I think... Um, there's Comixology has their own cover. There's a San Diego variant, and then there's like a one in two hundred variant or something like that. So there's there are a lot of ways you can appreciate or not issue one hundred. There's also a very special action figure. Uh, this is the Walking Dead Bloody Poncho Michonne. Uh, this is the regular Michonne action figure, but her her poncho is covered in fake blood. So that's pretty cool. And that's uh, has a price tag of twenty five bucks, by the way. Uh, speaking of Michonne, real quick, uh, a friend of the show, uh, Buzz, 
the comic book artist is in Artist Alley at San Diego Comic-Con, and he has a special San Diego exclusive print of Michonne with her two uh, zombie pets, and it is great. Uh, I posted the artwork on our Facebook group if you want to take a look at it, but it's definitely worth looking up at San Diego Comic-Con to get that exclusive print. That is one of the finest depictions of that character I've ever seen. He really nailed it. Buzz is an insanely talented artist. Even the lettering, he did the lettering, he did the lettering of The Walking Dead above the picture of Michonne, all in zombie parts. And if you look at the lettering, it's just incredibly detailed. Like I said, check it out on The Walking Dead uh, TV Podcast Facebook group. Uh, You can get a good look at the art and see what you're in for. But that's one of his exclusives at San Diego Comic-Con he'll be selling. It's definitely worth checking out if you're there. I have uh, commissioned two pieces of art from Buzz over the years, and... uh... They both completely and utterly blow me away. So, uh, good stuff indeed. Next up, if you have $85 to spend and are missing a wristwatch, there's a special Walking Dead wristwatch that has a picture of Rick uh, based on his appearance in issue 100, which I will say, Google the image of this watch at your own uh, risk if you haven't read the comics and want to avoid spoilers. Um, And it's a watch that will be signed by Robert Kirkman and Charlie Adlard. Has the watch ever been a spoiler before? I've never, I can't think of one. I, I, I don't think so, but uh, yeah, those of us who've read the comics can probably guess at exactly what would be the spoiler, but I don't want to give it away for anybody else. And uh, I believe there's also, I don't have it on this list here, but I believe there's also that super special edition of issue 100 that's like uh, got all the extra swag in it, which you guys can Google because it's, it's pretty neat. So if you're at Comic-Con this week or just browsing eBay later, that's what you can expect to find. Oh, and there's one other piece of Walking Dead uh, exclusive San Diego Comic-Con merch, but it's connected to our next story. And that is yet another Walking Dead (laughs) video game that has been announced. Uh, This one is going to be a first-person shooter uh, developed by Terminal Reality Games, and you will be playing in the game as Daryl Dixon. Uh, It takes place before the show, and it's him and his brother as they trek uh, through Georgia and the surrounding areas, I'm assuming, uh, dodging zombies, killing zombies, and uh, eventually, if we can assume from uh, the way the show starts, making their way to a camp with some very familiar survivors. Uh, The game's going to have you uh, conserving ammo, searching different buildings, and also avoiding zombies who will sniff you out and also be able to locate you based on sound. It sounds like it might have some survival horror elements as well. It's, it's, it's I don't know, it's kind of a, a mixed bag here. On one hand, you have Activision, which is the house that Call of Duty built. You know, they have that proprietary uh, first-person shooter engine uh, at their disposal. But on the other hand, the, the studio they passed this off to is uh, Terminal Reality, and their last game was the Star Wars Connect game, which was not really fondly regarded by anyone and um the last ghostbusters downloadable game also not an incredible uh effort so i don't know i'm just going to be cautiously optimistic about this one again i mean if you can imagine like uh, the call of duty engine running a walking dead first person shooter that's great potential especially that it's the dixon brothers or what have you i just worry about the studio they've passed it off to i'd be a little happier if they'd you know given it to treyarch or one of the other first person shooter studios that they have It'll be interesting to see how it it plays out. I mean, the good thing is it's using that engine. So from a technical perspective, it's kind of hard to screw that up unless they just really cheapen up on the textures and and things like that. But given that they're not going to have to focus on um, engine, you know, the the engine itself, they could just focus on the gameplay. uh, That might definitely be to its advantage. So I imagine 
Treyarch or one of those studios would a they're probably too busy alternating with Call of Duty, um, and b they probably would have charged a, a freaking arm and a leg um, to put to put a game like that out, and it probably would have taken uh, a lot longer. So so yeah, it'll be curious. I I, I have the Star Wars Connect game, and if I was twelve, I'd probably be all over it um, in a big way. Uh, but I'm not 12, so it was uh, kind of childish and silly. Now, the game will be released uh, next year. They haven't given a specific date yet, but next year sometime. Uh, it'll be coming to PC, Xbox 360, and PS3 for sure. I'm not sure of any other platforms. Uh, th- those are the only ones I see listed here, but but the, the three big ones for sure. Is it going to be on the Atari 2600? Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything about that, but if uh, that news story pops up, I will keep you posted for sure. What, one more thing, Jordan, just to t- and talking about art, and then we kind of uh, went on, but it is tied into Sammy, San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, for, for those listeners out there that appreciate uh, nice art, especially related to The Walking Dead, Google Greg Capullo Walking Dead poster. Um, Greg Capullo has done the... Uh, season three premiere poster for The Walking Dead, uh, the AMC premiere poster, and it's pretty phenomenal. And if if you're not familiar with Greg Capullo, he's a comic artist uh, that drew Spawn for many years, and he has a very very uh, current and well regarded run on DC's Batman comic. And uh, I think in large part he's responsible for uh, him and him and Scott Scott Snyder are responsible for. Uh, Batman being the top selling DC book right now, but the art on uh, Walking Dead. This Walking Dead poster is just excellent, and it and it definitely fits in with uh, last year's Tim Bradstreet poster. Uh, so de- so definitely check it out. It's it's worth it's worth taking a look at. And uh, uh, I've I've met Greg Capullo at at a con before, and he's just he is the coolest guy you'll ever meet. He is so into the fans and so so gracious. Uh, if, so if you're at San Diego Comic Con and Greg Capullo is there, even if the line is long. Um, if if you're a fan of his stuff, it's worth waiting in line because he will sit and chat with you, and and uh, he's not one to just hurry you on. Uh, but but definitely check it out. Very cool. Yeah, if I if I didn't know better, I would think that was the same artist as the poster from last year because it's a very similar look and very cool looking. Now, one last bit about the the Walking Dead first person shooter video game. There is a trailer out. It doesn't show any gameplay footage yet, but it's a cool nifty trailer. It's only about a minute long. But uh, like I mentioned before, there is a uh, Walking Dead uh, San Diego Comic-Con exclusive involved here, and that is if you happen to be at San Diego Comic-Con and you are one of the first 100 people to pre-order it in person, it has to be in person, has to be there, you will get one of 100 limited edition ear necklaces. That's right, you can get a uh, recreation of Daryl's necklace with four severed ears on it for your very own, if that's what you want for some reason. So that's kind of gross, but hey, I didn't design it. They have this vision of hundreds of Dixon's Vixens fighting each other for the hundred hundred ear necklaces. Yeah, at least on the bright side, I guess they could split it up and give uh, four hundred individual Vixens one ear, but uh, they wouldn't get the whole necklace experience that way. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, plays a, a game called Arma. It's a very uh, uh, true-to-life uh, army simulation game. It's, it's like one of the most hardcore PC first-person shooters there, there is. And now they have a... Uh, you can get it, It's available on Steam, and it's only for uh, about 20 bucks. But for Armin now, there's a mod, and it's called DayZ. And not DayZ the flower, Day-the-letter-Z. And basically what happens after you install the mod, it uh, you drop, drops your person in the middle of a town 
with uh, you know no food, no rations, no gun, no weapon at all, and you have to survive in a zombie uh, apocalypse uh, setting. Um, it's very true to life, very much uh, survival horror, emphasis on the survival. You have to find, you know, clean water to drink, and you also have to find, you know, weaponry to, to defend yourself. I mean, uh, my friend was playing it and told me, that, told me he, you know, he finally found a gun, and it was like, you know, he'd been playing for a couple of, you know, two or three days, and he finally found a gun, and it was like a, a huge deal for him to have, you know, a gun with ammunition in it uh, after playing as long as he had. It's supposed to be a really hardcore simulation of the zombie apocalypse that, uh, I mean, we all know this coming. So uh, check it out. It's a Day Z. It's a mod for Arma, and you can get the whole thing for about 20 bucks if you're interested on Steam. So yeah, so you're saying Arma 2 is only 20 bucks, and then the, the mod is free? And, and it's PC exclusive, I believe. It is. And there's also a, a thing going on now in some of the servers where, very much like uh, what we see in The Walking Dead, uh, both the show and comic, there are different factions popping up with players working together in common causes in groups and in packs and uh, fighting each other as well. So there's like a player versus player aspect to it as well. It's not just surviving against the zombies. You're trying to survive against the other survivors as well. So uh, it's really cool. It's an ongoing, um, um, they keep, you know, there are new versions of the mod almost weekly, you know, to fix things as it goes on. It's not perfect, but it's a lot of fun if you really want that hardcore survival experience. Yeah, I've watched quite a few videos of it online, and it seems definitely hardcore would be the word. Uh, very complicated, lots of different things you can do, um, and uh, lots and lots of zombies to kill. Now, while we're on the video game tick, let's uh, switch over to the Telltale video game for The Walking Dead, which just released Episode 2, I believe, last week, almost exactly a week ago. I played Episode 2 today. Brad has also played it. Brad, do you want to start off uh, with the, your thoughts on Episode 2 as compared to Episode 1 and on its own? I'll just say it. I'm haven't been real impressed with with this game or the gameplay um it's pretty slow it's pretty boring and you know i realize this is heresy because we're all zombie fans but i just i mean i'm not i'm just not impressed by this game uh it uh i, I it's not horrible i mean i've played worse games but i guess i'm not what I'm discovering is that I'm not really a fan of the point-and-click adventure game. You know, there's really not a lot of decision-making. You know, it, it builds itself as you get to choose, you know, what you say to the person or how you want to play the game. But, you know, I get the feeling that it's really, you know, the story's really going to follow one direction regardless of of what you pick. So, I, I, I don't know. I just um, am not excited about the next one that comes around I, I don't even know if i'll bother playing it i realized that what i just said there was a bunch of rambling and stuff but you can see how excited i am about this game no hey you're entitled to your opinion but uh, just to be clear you thought the same thing about episode one right you're, you don't think episode two is a step down from the first one no i don't um i was just as unimpressed with episode two than as i was episode one you know i thought i would um you know, give it another chance, and that's why I downloaded episode two and played it. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. The answer to your question is, uh, it was the same experience for me. Okay, well, that, that's just uh, good to make clear. Just because for people like me who liked episode one, I also rather like episode two. Um, point and click games also not really my forte, although I don't mind them. I do have to say that as point and click games go, this is this is a you know 
speeding uh, bullet train ride compared to some of them. Uh, many of them are very, very slow. So if you liked the first episode, you'll also probably like the second if you like Brad and it's just not for you, and that's a lot of people just don't like point-and-click games. This is not going to change your mind or be some huge revelation. Uh, but like I said, I really liked it. Uh, I was getting really involved in the story. You know, I, th- I think the choices do matter a lot more than you might think, Brad, especially if you check out other pl- people's playthroughs on YouTube or something. They can go quite differently, and granted, yes, the, the deviations aren't too much now, only two episodes in. Well, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, episodes four and five, how, whether they are very similar, like you said, or completely different um, based on your choices, because there are the major decisions, do you save this person or that person, who do you side with in an argument, but there's also... um Simple things like gaining people's trust or questioning them too much that the game is telling you these people are remembering, and so it'll be interesting to see how they play out later. But like I said, there's no way for either of us to know until uh, until those later episodes come out. Um, I, I did like that this episode in particular, for me, uh, as a person who's read the comic and seen the show, made you think it was going in one direction. It made you think certain things were going to happen based on your knowledge of the show and specifically the, I'll say, the Herschel's Farm storyline, and I'll keep it to that. And it went a very different direction towards the end, which I like. Now, granted, it's a direction the comic book has touched on, although in a different way. But it's also one of my favorite comic book storylines from The Walking Dead, so that didn't bother me at all. I also really like the ending. I don't know if it was as strong as Episodes 1 ending, but again, it's it's uh, still a good one. And I, I also liked... Brad, what was your opinion on um, the whole three-month time gap between Episodes 1 and 2? Did you like that, not like that, have no opinion? I guess I didn't remember it i was unimpressed with it i don't even remember how this um episode ended i okay. re- i remember it now that you said something and uh it it kind of you know it didn't bother me um right. it kind of explained why this new character was there and they were all accepting of him and all that kind of thing but and i don't know i i hate to be you know the the party pooper but it just this game is just you know it's not doing much for me. Yeah, it's a very valid opinion. Like I said, point and click games are for sure not for everybody. Um, but yeah, for for just to be clear for the listeners, the this episode two picks up uh, three months after episode one ends, which is something I'd actually like to see them do in the show more, the actual television show. Uh, I'd hope they'd take some cues from that, just because you know w- when we get a little stuffy with the show and we think it's moving too slow, a lot of that can be fixed by move ahead even a week and then, you know, give us a couple lines of dialogue to explain what happened and and just keep the story moving. And our other hosts have not played uh, episode two yet, but uh, hopefully they will and we can get their opinions later. At this moment, we are joined by very special guest and actual co-host of the show, Mr. Johnny M. How you doing, Johnny? Very well. Sorry that I am tardy. Hey, no problem. Those zombies are a pain to get through in traffic. We understand. Yes, especially New York traffic. <laughs> very sassy zombies. So we've already talked about, uh, you know, the different comic sales out there, the different San Diego Comic Con exclusives, uh, the video games. And so maybe now that you're here, it's a good time to talk some of the footage and photos we've seen from season three of the TV show. This is, I guess, mildly spoilery, but we're going to stay away from anything uh, too heavy, I think. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely been a, a nice batch of season three promotional photos that have gone out. Um, I guess it's not much of a spoiler to say that we've seen the governor. Yes, we have. Uh, it's pretty much been out there that he's going to be around. Uh, we've seen some shots from the prison. Which uh, looks I guess fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it's going to be really cool. Um, 
for all of us comic nerds, are we happy with the look of the governor? I am. No. No, not really, to be honest with you. You know, they did such a good job with the rest of the cast making them look like their comic counterparts, and if he had dark hair and a mustache, I could probably go with it. But this guy doesn't. You know, he's got light brown hair and he's clean-shaven. Yeah, he wears a vest like the comic governor, but, you know... What if... What if this is the road to the governor, so to speak, uh, and we meet this character who's kind of clean cut, and as we move along, he gets grimier and maybe, more governor-y? Maybe. Might work. That, that's kind of the impression I've got as well, is that it's a good opportunity for them to do that, because without getting too spoilery, I thought that the initial Im- impressions that the governor gave to the group in the comic belayed his later actions, whereas if he looks like a normal guy... Well, then maybe he's actually somebody who could be elected governor and shouldn't come off as the governor. It'll be almost scarier. I'm really, I'm really waiting to see, um, you know, how the actor takes the role and how how he comes across. It, uh, Jordan makes a good point. It'd be almost scarier if he was like, you know, one second just a friendly, down home, good old boy, and the next second slit your throat. You know, uh, that might be a cool way to take this character. But I'm I'm going to wait and see and reserve judgment until I see the actor actually acting out rather than just looking at the. Uh, the photos. I mean, he might have the presence and the voice to, to pull it off. I mean, that's the way he was in the comic. You know, he came across as a, a really great guy, and then within a you know a span of two or three panels, you realized, oh, this is this guy's not who we thought he was. I hate to prejudge. I mean, it could be that the take that they give is dead on to the to the comic and what we know, and it's just his look is a little different. It could be they're deciding to give a whole new spin on this character that he's not the same as what we've seen in the comics. I mean, maybe Russell, pardon my French, but do you realize how batshit crazy comic book fans will be if they don't make this guy like the guy in the book? No, no you're totally you're totally right, and I I guess I didn't explain myself right. I think ultimately he will be as we know him in the comic, but I'm wondering if they're trying to temper that with his look. Like, you know, make him look one way but act another way. Or he's going to put a front on most of the time and, you know, for a good portion of the season or whatever, it's going to be um, behind the scenes or off, you know, off camera, if you will, that he acts in the manner in which we're accustomed to him acting. So, yeah, no, I, I didn't mean for him to be all nice and roses as compared to what, what he was in the comics. I, I just meant that maybe they'll just change the portrayal up um, and make him more two-faced or uh, two-sided than than he was in the comic. I, I agree with Brad, but not for the same reasons. Um, I think that the reason that we're going to get the governor the way we should get the governor is because of Robert Kirkman. I think he's our saving grace as comic book fans, that he's very closely... Um, you know, keeping an eye on and working on this television show. So that's going to help us out a lot because the part I disagree with is I don't think they give a rat's behind what the comic readers think because we are, you know, a hundred thousand against a television show with a 10 million viewership. Um, so I don't think the reasons are that they don't want to make the comic fans mad. I think the reason that we'll get what we like is because we have Kirkman on board. I see what you're saying, John. I understand, but I don't think you're giving the producers enough credit when it comes to whether they're concerned about the comic book fans or not. From day one, they have 
gone out of their way to to make sure the comic book fans are going to be happy with this series. I mean, if it wasn't for the comic book fans, the series wouldn't have been made because the comic book just would have been another in, independent comic book failure like you know, most independent comics are. The fans, the comic book fans, loved this comic. Sales increased month to month. They're going to do everything they can, like you said, to please non-comic book fans, but also to keep the comic book fans happy. I think if they went, you know, as comic book fans, we've just been building it up. Got to see the governor. Got to see the governor. Got to see Michonne. Got to see the governor. You know, why are the comic book fans talking about the governor so much? Well, obviously it's because he's an awesome character. And if they put him on the show different than he is in the comic, they're going to hear about it from the fans. So I think they they are concerned about what the fans of the original books will will think. But I, I also think you're right in saying that, you know, Kirkman... Kirkman has the fans' backs. You know, I I think Kirkman knows that the reason he's in the position he's in is because everybody loves his book. So I, I don't think he's going to, you know, forget that. That said, Kirkman's also made it very clear that he's very interested in subverting expectations from the fans, changing it up, trying new things, and not, not doing it, I don't want to say wrong, but doing it totally different, but changing up the little things and changing up, you know, going off that path, like they say, but coming back to the to the main street eventually. So I, I think you can do both. You can go differently, but also come back to the same ultimate conclusion. And, and beyond that, you know, um, Brad, I agree with you completely. They, they don't want to make the fans angry. But also, the, the producers are fans of the comic themselves. That's why they're making the show. I think they want to do right by themselves as comic book fans as well. So I don't, I don't think we have too much to worry about them all of a sudden turning uh, the governor into you know Barney the Singing Dinosaur over here. I, I think we, we don't have that much to be worried about when it comes to this, because it's going to be pretty hard to get the governor completely wrong. Right. I agree. And I, I'm not worried that they're going to change the governor. I just think, you know, John's reasoning was a bit off. No, I got you. I'm not saying you're, you're worried. I'm just saying right. in general for listeners and such. And, see, John's, and you're a fool. No, John's usually not off, which is why I was shocked that he said what he said. Well, you're just delusional, and uh, we were much more important day one when they didn't know how many viewers the show was going to have, and we became a lot less important now that it's the highest rated cable vision, uh, cable show of all time. <laughs> cable vision. That- cable vision is actually the name of the cable provider in my area so no I'm no, not... no I, I know it's a real thing john yeah. there's probably a lot more truth to that statement that you just made than than comic book fans would like to think and that probably kirkman would ever agree to it's it, i agree with john it's numbers i mean Ru- russ would probably know this what is the average issue of walking dead cell russ 100k no it's creeping up on forty five thousand. okay and forty five thousand fifty. I just, you know, measure that against the millions and millions that are watching the show. You know, I, I mean, the, the comic fans are the grassroots that got it started and off the ground, but now that's such a big phenomenon, I, I pretty much think we're just a drop in the bucket. But as having said that, I think with Kirkman and Mazzara on board, we're not going to see a watered-down anything. 
Uh, I think we're going to get, you know, just what we want. I just don't think that, you know, it's so much catering to, to us comic fans as it is just trying to get what works out of the story and translate that to TV. Exactly. It's a great storyline. Why would they go out of their way to, you know, make it bad? Yeah, and, <laughs> you know I'm, I mean? and I never meant to say that they were going to change him. I was just commenting on, uh, you know, the reasons why they wouldn't. No, you're right. You're right. John, I believe uh, this past week we got our first clip of Michonne from season three. I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet because it's being taken down everywhere it's put up, but I know you've seen it. So uh, clue us in. What uh, what did the fans who watched Talking Dead the other night get a chance to see? Well, we got a chance to see a clip of Michonne, as you've said. Uh, she's kind of sneaking around a, you know, maybe an abandoned house or a cabin. And I'm, I'm doing this from memory because I'm, I'm not able to see it again, as you mentioned. Um, and some zombies kind of sneak up on her and she attacks them with her sword, which is awesome. Um, you know, and they kind of go down and we get some rolling heads and, you know, it's cool in theory and it definitely gives everybody an idea of what type of character Michonne is. I was a little disappointed that they cut away from the actual kill shots. So you got kind of a look at the zombie, Michonne swings the sword, cut away, heads rolling on the floor. Um, I'm hoping that they didn't finish the special effects and they decided to cut the clip that way rather than have, you know, unfinished effects or maybe they couldn't even show the actual head being severed. I think we saw a head being severed in the season finale, didn't we? Yeah, I'm not I'm not suggesting that maybe they don't want to show a head being severed. I'm just saying maybe they made a bad choice of editing that Michonne scene or maybe it's just not finished so they cut it differently. Right, or maybe there's 15 decapitations in the episode and they're only doing special effects for three of them. That's, I guess that's an angle I didn't uh, think of. Brad, you managed to see it before it was taken down. I don't know who else uh, was able to. Yeah, I saw it. I, it's weird, though. I don't remember it being the way you describe it. Uh, I th- thought I remember, maybe it's just because I want to remember it this way, but I thought there were like two different kill shots in this clip and one was like one zombie and then one was like two at a time. And I was thinking that we actually, in the one clip where there's two of them, that we actually saw her sword take the heads off. But like I said, maybe it's just my mind filling in the gap of what I wanted to see. But I only did... It was kind of like really quick cut. Yeah. Like she was swinging at them, and then it was heads on the floor. Okay. You know, sometimes our memories fill in gaps that, that we didn't actually see, and maybe that's what's happening. But um, And if anybody has it DVR'd on that Talking Dead episode and wants to set us straight, you know, definitely uh, send in a voicemail. Absolutely. Now, were you happy with her look? Because this will be the first time we've seen her in motion. I mean, obviously we saw her in the season three finale, or season two finale, but that was a uh, stand-in actress, you know, hooded in the dark. Oh, yeah, what she looks you, great. What were your thoughts on her look here? Yeah, I, I think she looks dead on. I mean, I didn't have any... Uh, any problems with that at all? She's strong looking, you know. She's not uh, dainty, or uh, you know, I don't know. She looks badass. Yeah, I agree. I don't with, know how else to put it. I agree with John. I think you know, it's just lifted her right off the comic book page. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I haven't, I haven't seen this clip yet either, but um, everybody I've, I've talked to has said that Michonne looked right the way she should look, and that's very encouraging. Now, also along with this, there's been a 
ton of on-set photos, officially released photos featuring, you know, the cast attacking various zombies and just standing around different sets. Uh, We should say that, you know, viewers be warned, if you're Googling these images, there are somewhat spoilery ones of, uh, let's keep it vague, let's say returning characters that we haven't seen in a while showing up. So if you don't want to be spoiled as to who might be showing up, be very careful when Googling these images or going to AMC's website because they are out there and they're very, very easy to find. But they look awesome. (laughs) I question some of the things that they would put in official press photos, to be honest with you. Meaning? Uh, meaning they're spoiling too much. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that that's kind of where I was going to go next is, do we think that they're showing us too much? I mean, I guess it's a double-edged sword, right? If you don't show enough and then people, they don't maintain the interest level, it's, it's a show that, as we've said a hundred times, follows the trend of the comics where it's increased readership over time, or viewership in this case, over time, instead of the normal trends, which are, you know, a slowly, you know, slow attrition. Um, so I wonder if, if this is the way to make sure, and there, you know, there's a large break between seasons. You know, we go, you know, uh, last season was 13 episodes and there's a break of, you know, nine, 10 months before it comes back. So I'm curious if, if, uh, if this is just a way to keep the hype going. I mean, we see they rebroadcasted the entire series in a, in a, in a marathon. They put a, out the, the pilot in black and white and, uh, you know, things like that. So I, I think, some of the stuff that's leaked out to me has been a little too spoilery. Um, and I think I would like to have seen it trickle out more, maybe with Comic-Con coming. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of another you know big one. They know this stuff is going to be at Comic-Con. They know it's going to get out. So maybe this is their way to kind of get in front of it and to present it to the general public in their way so it doesn't you know get out of hand at Comic-Con. Uh, hard to say, but I, I think overall, my, my opinion is that they're maybe letting too much out of the bag too soon. And this is stuff, some of the stuff is what I would expect to see, you know, month or six weeks from premiere, not several months from premiere. Right. I mean, it should be noted that the specific returning character we're talking about, the official images of him were only released after you know, some people with uh, telephoto lenses had leaked photos that they took from across the street or whatever of that character already. So it, could this just be, I mean, I think you, you mentioned it already, Russ, show them it, show them the spoiler, if you will, in its best light. So it's not just a, you know, b- bad picture that's not lit correctly and doesn't have all the makeup on. But if that's already going to be out there, make sure the people know, hell, no, 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 this still looks good. It's not just some, uh, some crappy, <laughs> a reintroduction of the character or something like that. How many times have we been in the situation where, you know, we're hanging out with some friends and there's some candid moments and somebody snaps a picture and goes, "Ah, I'm putting this on Facebook. And you're like, hang on, before you post that, let me look at it first. You know, oh, no, that's a bad shot. Let's reenact this and I'll I'll make sure I don't look like a dork in this next one. You know, you do not do that. (laughs) I have. I have totally done that. And if you haven't done that, John, I'm calling you a big fat liar. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I've you'll never find a photo of me on Facebook. I don't come out on film. Um also <laughs> vampire, vampire. You know what? Screw it. Let's just tell everybody well, Buster's we've already, coming back. We've already talked about Buster it. in three D. Buster's coming back. He's the Busterist. I think it's kind of a, a double edged sword though. I mean, on one hand, 
you know, you don't want to spoil too much. You don't want to give too much away before the people, you know, watch it. But on the other hand, this is one of the most popular shows on television. Uh, they have to keep, the, you know, the interest up in the, as you said, uh, Russ, the suspense up and, the, you know, the interest there all the way until October when the new season starts. So, I mean, it, it seems like they, they want it both ways. They don't want to spoil too much, yet they want to, you know, pimp all these photos of, of you know, the returning character that we referred to. Um, and and a lot of other things, some really important sets that are coming up uh, in locations. I won't go into detail, like I said, but, um, I mean, these are like, you know, big deals, and we're already seeing them, you know, months and months ahead. So I kind of agree with you. It is, I think it really is early for all this kind of stuff. But, I mean, I, I've heard the same argument made about The Dark Knight Rises and some other, uh, you know, recent movies, too, about how much is released ahead of time. And I'm just wondering, you know, if they're going to release all this now, you know, what are they going to give us between now and October? You know, I mean, what are they going to they're going to go ahead and give us the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes? Are we going to, you know, get more stuff spoiled in trailers? I mean, there's still a long way to go to promote before the beginning of the next season. I, I guess my hope would be, and this is, of course, a very optimistic, uh, doe-eyed hope, but that they're showing us this stuff now because they don't even consider it the big reveals of the beginning of the season, that they've got much bigger stuff hidden away, and they're just kind of distracting us with this. Because, I mean, there have been marketing campaigns that have done that before. They distract you with something bright and shiny that you're excited to see, and then they uh, you know, they backhand you with something you were never expecting that's even bigger. It, it kind of reminds me of, this is a little off topic, but similar. You know, we talk about things getting out and getting out of hand and being put in a negative light, but, uh, and, and this isn't really a spoiler for Iron Man 3, because again, this has been, this is on every website you could possibly think of, but there were some photos leaked out of, of what looked like someone in an Iron Man suit, um, referred to as, as in the comic world, what we call the Iron Patriot. It's basically the Iron Man suit, um, styled in a red, white, and blue with a star emblem where the, you know, typical arc reactor thing is. And the speculation went wild that it was James Badge Dale who's been cast in the movie and he's playing the the Iron Patriot and how that's going to fit in, and you know all because some paparazzi took a show took a, a photo of something completely out of context, and then Paramount or you know Disney had to had to you know do damage control and say you know no that's not what it is and and we know it's it's something completely different now but um, you know when when these things happen and these pictures get taken completely out of context like that. Um, you know, sometimes I think this, it behooves the studio to come out in front of it and throw something different out there to dispel, you know, false rumors and potentially negative press. I mean, you know, a paparazzi snapping a photo of something completely out of context, like some of these characters that may be returning on The Walking Dead, you don't know what context it's in. And people start speculating and then rumors run wild. And then the next thing you know, they're having to run damage control over something that isn't even true in the first place. So it's a really tough spot, you know, with social media the way it is today and and the way things you know get out there as quickly as it is i mean you know gone are the days of 20 30 years ago when people could shoot movies and you know do it on a closed set and um you know maybe it might make it into a tabloid but uh, that would take a long time now it's it's instantaneous and it's i know uh, for the studios it's got to be completely nerve-wracking yeah i do not envy their jobs for sure you know the trend in movies over the last several years is to show more and more of the good stuff in in the trailers you know and there's been a handful of movies that I've gone to that I thought well, I pretty much kind of already know what's going to happen in this movie and sure enough you know I did I wasn't really surprised about everything and then you know the 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 joke is you know oh 
they show all the best parts in the trailer and more more often than we want that that actually happens so i don't know if if it's a cultural thing that that hollywood has has started doing that or if it's a marketing thing i haven't figured it out but all i know is that i don't like it if the movie sucks all the good parts are in the trailer because that's all they have if the movie's great you'll see stuff that got left on the floor that they don't even get into the movie that's my theory. I don't know if it holds up for every example, but I know most movies that suck, all the good parts are in the trailer. Exactly. But there was a recent study, though, that I read that said, you know, that unfortunately Brad and John and Russ and Jim were in the minority and that most people say they enjoy things better when they're spoiled for them, which I think is, you know, crazy. But that's the poll that was done. More people don't mind seeing all those things. Like, for me, I liked Prometheus, but there was a lot of stuff in that trailer that comes from the last ten minutes of the movie. Same with Spider-Man recently, um, and Total we recall. don't know about Dark Knight yet. Uh, yeah, I mean, Total Recall, we don't know for sure, I, I guess, exactly where those scenes are from, but it does seem to give a lot away in the trailer. So, y- you never know. you you got to make it look cool, but at the same time, how much are you spoiling, and how much does the general public really care? Well, it's now time to talk about issue 100 of The Walking Dead, which just came out today as we record this. We're going to talk about briefly in context um, what this issue, this issue means and our reactions to it right now. And then after the credits, if you want, we're going to have a whole full spoiler discussion if you're interested in that. So hopefully you stick around. But before then, Russ, why don't you tell us what's so big of a deal about issue 100 of The Walking Dead? Um, good. I'm glad you asked because I think there's a, there's a lot of things that are a big deal about uh, Walking Dead 100. It's, for the most part, it's very unusual for an indie comic in today's reboot era of comics to hit 100 issues. Um, We've seen some, you know, 100 Bullets has done it, Fables has done it, uh, there's been uh, Constantine on the Vertigo side has done it, Um, but outside of mainstream Marvel and DC, and even mainstream Marvel and DC, it's very rare these days that it, that an issue uh, a series get to 100 before getting rebooted several times so the fact that an image comic by an independent creative team has made it through and gone to 100 issues i think is is very uh important and um and something to be celebrated in in the in the marketplace today especially in in general a downwardly trending comic book market so you know congrats to Robert Kirkman and Charlie Adler, um, and and um, uh, and Tony Moore as well, but but mostly Robert Kirkman and Charlie Adler on um, so many issues of you know quality work that we you know all love and enjoy um, that, that that they've been able to keep it going and keep it and keep it coming out. I think I'd like to add just for the TV viewing audience that we have that may not understand all the terms of the comic book stuff that we throw around. When we say rebooted, we mean a series is running, they get in 20 or 30 issues, and things aren't going so well, so they restart at number one, generally to, you know, raise awareness, try to get people excited again, maybe kick off a new creative team, etc. An example of that in movies for people that don't read comics would be the, the latest Star Trek movie. That was the reboot of the franchise. Right. So I guess what we're so excited about is that this has gone 100 issues straight without starting over. Uh, it was late for a few years back in the day. Um, I guess Robert Kirkman was pretty famous at one point for 
putting out uh, late issues of The Walking Dead, but that's certainly been straightened out. I guess what was his motto? Was it on time in two thousand nine or Yeah, yeah. And lately it's been it's been pretty well on time. Yeah, absolutely. So uh so those are just some of the little things that we take for granted that everybody in our audience might uh understand. That's that's a good point. Um the other thing that is worthy of note specifically for issue 100 is the fact that for July it will more than likely be the highest selling comic book for the month which um again for those that are outside of the comic book you know scene and don't or even if you're into it and don't really pay attention to the numbers typically in the last couple several years the highest selling comic book for big overhyped events May hit 200,000, may hit 250,000. It's extremely rare that this happens. Most comics nowadays for regular ongoing titles are under 80 to 90,000. Um, that's, that's where they hit. Walking Dead typically, I think, is, is approaching 50,000, uh, issues sold per month. A lot of people with The Walking Dead read it in the trade paperback, so they wait. Um, and get six issues at a time. I think uh, volume one now is approaching between direct market, which is comic book shops, and like your Barnes and Nobles and Amazons and things like that, is, a po- is approaching, I think, a million copies sold, or, or it will be very soon. Um, this month, and a lot of this has to do with multiple com- covers and such, it looks like Walking Dead is going to sell 350,000 copies of issue number 100, which, again... I can't remember the last time a non-Marvel or DC mainstream comic book um, has been number one on the charts. I mean, it's pretty much been, for as long as I can remember, um, Mar- a Marvel book or a DC book has been number one on the charts. I think the closest might have been when Dark Horse started Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 8, which was a continuation of the Buffy TV show. It It came very close to that number one slot. Um, but nothing, uh, image or any of these smaller, what we call smaller publishers has approached number one. So, um, they do have a lot of covers like we talked about earlier. There's a lot of, uh, big names in the comic book industry that lended their talents to covers for this issue. They did a chromium, uh, uh foil printed cover, which is, you know, a very much a throwback to the nineties and, and, and past gimmicks, but, uh, still pretty cool nonetheless. Um, so, you know, people, I'm, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I think of the, uh, of the nine main covers that they put out, I think I've picked up about seven of them. I think there's only a couple I didn't pick up. Um, but some of them are really, really well done by, by some big names. Todd McFarlane, Mark Silvestri, um, uh, Sean Phillips, um, uh, and Charlie Adler himself has, has, has done a couple. Um, Frank Quitely. Uh, names like, you know, big names in the comic book industry. So again, a big, big deal. Um, and I'm really curious to see moving forward with 100 if, uh, if they're able to, uh, you know, keep the trend going, uh, that they had before 100 in, in a positive direction. So again, you know, kudos to Kirkman, kudos to Adler, kudos to Image, um, for, for, you know, what will be a banner month, uh, for, for Image Comics and The Walking Dead. Just to put it in perspective, I mean, I know you mentioned a bunch of times outselling Marvel or DC. This is like more than triple any Batman or Superman or Justice League or Avengers book that's going to be out this month. This is one of those bagged cereals on the bottom shelf outselling every single uh, General Mills and you know Kellogg cereal on the shelf. 
Except this is much better than bag cereal. Yeah. And much bloodier, yeah. generally. Now, before... So I guess that that's my uh, preachy soapbox uh, love fest to uh, uh, Walking Dead 100. Um, overall, I think I would... I, and we'll, like I said, we'll get very spoiler, but just in a general sense, what did I think of it as a, as a single issue of a comic or as, as a big anniversary, heavily hyped issue? Um, I think I would give it probably a, a B minus or a C plus overall. And like I said, if you're, if you care to be spoiled, uh, we will go into, to why I say that, uh, a little later on. So I think it, it's not surprising to say that in this issue 100, something terrible happens to a major character. And again, that'll be after the credits. We'll talk about that, but unsurprisingly, A, because it's walking dead and B, because it's an anniversary issue, something really awful happens to somebody we like. And that your definition of of awful, I wouldn't want it to happen to no, me. No, of course not. But you know, it's <laughs> it's it's a it's a vague enough word that you know it could be an, any number of things. I mean, it's off. Oh, it's yes. awful that you know that I got laid off from a job once, but it's also awful that my grandparents both died within a week of each other. So you know, your your mileage may vary depending on your definition of the word awful. Absolutely. One thing I'll just add before we uh, end up and, and go to the spoiler, uh, spoilericious portion. Uh, I thought it was a great next Walking Dead issue. You know what I mean? Like nothing. Yeah, the exactly. cliffhanger. Right. No, nothing outrageous and worthy of, you know, a super special issue. And you know what? It was priced regularly. So that's fantastic. So they didn't stick an extra buck or two onto the issue. Uh, and give you what you normally get. We just got what we normally got, and that's a, that makes very little sense. No, it makes perfect sense, and it's a good way. It's another way of saying, you know, what I would have said, which is I got what I expected from from this issue. Yeah, I didn't think it was the most amazing issue ever. I certainly lost my appetite and thought it was a good issue, but uh, I wouldn't put this at you know the top ten issues of The Walking Dead, probably, but certainly in the you know the better half of them. Yeah, John made a good point. It, it seemed like a really good next issue. It really was setting. Seemed like more set up than uh, than anything. I mean, we had some you know major things happen, obviously, but a lot of setup setting up for the next you know arc of the storyline. And I will just add that uh, we do receive press releases from Image Comics, and uh, the last email that I got from their press uh, agent or person in charge of marketing said that they will not be issuing review copies in advance for 100 through 103. So I think there's probably some more surprises to come in the next couple of issues. So we will continue this discussion after the credits, but before then, don't forget you can leave us a voicemail, 516-468-7912. We actually have a couple ready to play, but we didn't get to them this episode because John was late. Naughty, naughty John. So you can send us those and we'll play them soon. Or you can send us an email, comments at walkingdeadtv.com. Don't forget to check out hhwlod.com for all of our great shows, like Half Hour Wasted, that's Brad's show, LOD, that's the Legion of Dudes, and that's the rest of our show. The PKD Media Black Box, out now with Aaron and Abe, which is awesome. And also keep an eye out for all of our less regular shows, Media Minutes, Tech Dudes, and all the other ones. And those shows can all be found on Facebook as well. Don't forget to check out forumforgeeks.com and follow us on Twitter at WDTV Podcast and at HHWLOD underscore network. And so until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, issue 100. It's kind of a big deal. Have a good week, everybody.
Have a good one. Hey, I have a I have a joke for the bloopers. How much does a hipster weigh? An Instagram. <laughs> Say it again, because I didn't. How much does a hipster weigh? No, no, no. Hipster. How much? Does oh, I heard hamster. Weigh? I was very confused. An Instagram. An Instagram. I like it. I want to start an Instagram. So we're about to delve heavily into the uh, comic book that is Walking Dead 100, and I feel that we need to mention that any spoiler that we go over from the comic is a potential future spoiler for the television show. Uh, we've mentioned several times that they are they may sway from the path, but they're always going to head back to the path of the comic. So anything major that happens in the comic could eventually end up happening on the television show. So I think we really want to stress that. If you're not interested in hearing spoilers or possible spoilers for the book or the show, you might want to turn this off now. So does anybody want to give context for the last like couple issues to set this up? Because A, I haven't read since the end of the last trade uh, before this issue, so I could use some, some refresher on the context, but just for our listeners in general. Uh, a new group... Sure. A, real quickly, a new group of baddies has uh, sort of infiltrated the happy little uh, living space that our heroes have begun to get comfortable in. Um, and they kind of operate like the mob, right? They they trade protection for food. Right, exactly. So some bad stuff happens that draws our people, you know, Rick and um, Abraham was just killed recently. Abraham was a pretty cool character. Had an awesome mustache. Yeah, yeah, that I liked and hoped to see, you know, go on. He was killed recently, and so that kind of drew Rick and the others out into the open to, uh, you know, to, to remedy the situation and to, I don't forget, what else is going on? Did they have somebody captive or something? They're, well, I, I was the wrong person to ask. They, the other thing going on, too, is they realize that in this community that they formed, there are other communities out there that, have started a network of bartering. So, you know, Rick and his group are trying to find a way to create and build more ammunition, which they could trade with other groups for food. And then there's this crazy group run by this guy, Nagin, who basically says, um, I will quote, protect you if you give me half your stuff and you have to give me half of everything you have. And if that doesn't leave you with enough stuff, then you need to find a way to get more stuff from somebody else so I can take half of it. Um, so if you've seen a bug's life, you get the general. Yeah. Idea. Yeah. So Rick, it, 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 this is where recently Rick has really steeled himself um, and the group because they've basically said, you know, we really don't have that much to trade, but this Nagin group will basically be the heavies and we'll put them down. Um, if you give us, basically enough food and and supplies to survive so rick's group has kind of come in and, and kind of going to be the bully squasher um at this point and uh this nagin guy who we only heard about but haven't seen for the past several issues finally makes his appearance in 100 and they are ready to tr to trounce all over rick and and the group because rick has been pretty uh relentless in um 
uh, killing uh, members of Nagin's group and not not uh, not thinking twice about doing so. Yeah, Nagin says as much in uh, in this issue, and that's why they're uh, they're brought to uh, to be punished in the most brutal way possible by Lucille. Yes, the mysterious Lucille. Uh, we all took guesses. There were, for anybody that doesn't know, there was some promotional art for the comic, and it said Lucille in kind of a nice script uh, handwriting. And I believe it said is coming in issue 100. And we were kind of making guesses. Uh, we guessed that it was the evil Granny's uh, zombie that uh, was on the co- one of the covers of issue 100. Uh, I guessed a car, which was wrong as well. Um, I don't think anybody guessed a baseball bat with barbed wire wrapped around it. Uh, no. So Lucille is Nagin's weapon of choice. And like you said, John, uh, apparently the barbed wire was just for decoration. Because yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna do any more damage with the barbed wire than you will would with just a plain bat. You know, I mean, especially when you wield it the way Nagin does. Yeah. So I guess we're ready to tell everybody uh, who took the blasting with Lucille. Well, first I want to mention that they took like four pages. You know, they're like, uh, well, maybe I should kill you, or maybe I should kill you, or maybe I should kill you. And he finally gets down to like eeny, meeny, miny, mo. You know, <laughs> I'm just like, okay, we get it. Somebody's going to die. Let's, you know, it just, it just seemed like it, t- it took a long time to get to something that we knew was kind of an inevitability. I got to say, I uh, this is going to sound weird, but I kind of like this Negan guy. Uh, he's obviously mentally unbalanced. And I don't know. There's just something about him that humors me. He loves the F-bomb. Well, yeah, he swears a lot. He really does. He swears a lot. And he uses it uh, in combination with itself and in very yes. inventive ways, which is really <laughs> kind of funny when you read it. Um, but I don't know. This... Uh, this character is uh, is entertaining to me. He's, in a way, I guess, a more clean-cut looking version of the governor. You know, it's funny, when they finally revealed him, it almost, to me, rem- looked like, okay, maybe this is who they intend David Morrissey to play as the governor in the TV show, because they he kind of had that look, you know, a tall guy, um, clean-cut looking, the way the hair was 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 done. So I kind of, I kind of saw a connection more to... To physically, at least. I mean, obviously, until we see the show, we don't know um, how that character is going to act. But but that that's something to me that just jumped out just based on promo stuff. Um, but he he just seems like more of a. a uh, I, I, I hate to say the, the governor wasn't mentally unbalanced because obviously he was. I think the governor was twisted. I think this guy's just like plain, you know, crazy. You know what it reminded me of, uh, especially with the baseball bat and everything, was that scene in The Untouchables with Robert De Niro as Al Capone, where he's talking about playing baseball. Yeah, enthusiasm. enthusiasm. Exactly. It's like, you know, here's this person, you know, ostensibly just a, a gangster, you know, protection racket businessman, but no, I'm also a crazy psychotic I'll beat you to death with a baseball bat that I've named Lucille. Especially that scene where he's like, oh, but Lucille's thirsty. That just kind of really creeped me out there. So who wants to say it? I'll do it. Glenn. Ah, Joan beat me. Yeah, he picks Glenn just randomly and proceeds to make an example of him in 
an incredibly uh, enthusiastic way by uh, beating his head in with the with Lucille. Yeah, at a certain point, it almost felt like he was just going to beat him, but still leave him alive and just incredibly disfigured. That's what I thought. But uh, didn't end there, that's for sure. That's what I thought. At least not the way it looked at the end of the issue. You know what I was reminded of was, in a, in a very tenuous way at best, but still, I was reminded of the scene where the Hulk in the Avengers movie picks Loki up and bangs him a couple of times, then looks at him, and then bangs him against the ground some more. Till he's done with him, that's what this. Oh yeah, I got that's you. what this reminded me of. He, just not funny. At no, all. no, yeah, just tenuous. Like I said, he hits Glenn once hard enough to dent his head like a newborn baby, to where one eye is actually bulging out a little bit, and stops and, you know, investigates his handiwork, and then he goes back to finishing the job. And that that to me was just like insane he's just the guy is nuts in front of his wife adopted daughter i should say his pregnant wife adopted daughter and all of his friends his best friends like all of them have to witness the whole thing yeah and what you know like jim said he he resorted to playing any meeny miny mo and then i don't even remember if that resulted in glenn being the one that was picked or not but i think so okay. yeah but I mean, can you imagine being in that situation and having your fate decided <laughs> by a round of any meeny manimo? That's just that's nuts. Um what do you guys think about this? You know, we had been built up to it. I think as comic book readers, first off, we're conditioned to expect a lot out of what we call anniversary issues of the big round numbers. You know, one hundred, two hundred, three hundred. You know, and traditionally, that's what we've been given. You know, issue 300 of Amazing Spider-Man was our first full appearance of Venom, which, you know, to this day is a major player in the in the comic book world, in the Spider-Man universe. So we're, we're conditioned to expect this from an issue like number 100. So going in... I expected someone to die. wasn't sure who it was going to be, you know, and we got, we got our main character death and I closed the book and I felt a little underwhelmed. I think it's because I expected it. We were basically told without them saying somebody's going to die. We were basically told somebody's going to die. Can you guess who it is? You know? And so like John said, it was a great next issue of the walking dead I hated to see that happen to Glenn. I liked Glenn. But, and I was saying earlier before we recorded, if Kirkman really wanted to shock me, then he would have, as soon as he was done with Glenn, he would have gone, all right, who's next? And pick somebody else and done the same thing. Or pick Maggie and leave, you know, have him vocalize, oh, let's, I'm going to kill this little girl's parents. You know, Glenn said Maggie? Who's Maggie? Oh, you're Maggie. And that's your daughter. Oh, okay, I get it. I see there's a family here. Well, let's kill you and leave the kid parentless. That, to me, would have been just one extra step that Kirkman could have gone to really make me go, holy crap, this comic. But I wasn't disappointed, but I got what I expected out of this issue. Yeah, and I mean, I think 
I think Kirkman's kind of painted in a little bit of a corner when it comes to these anniversary issues for just the reasons that you said. I mean, what if he didn't kill anybody? You know, it would have been like, oh, come on. He, you know, characters have died all the time in The Walking Dead. You're not going to come on with a big bang for issue 100. So I think he's sort of, you know, painted in a corner, and that's why we expect it. It's kind of like M. Night Shyamalan movies. You're waiting for the twist. So it, you know, sort of ruins the twist. Like, it worked the first couple of times, and now we know there's a twist. So it's not really a twist. One of the things I thought they were going to do with this issue was maybe possibly take the approach of, um, like a DMZ 50 or, um, even I think, uh, uh, Hundred Bullets 50 where they did this, like, it, it was extra sized or 100 pages or whatever, and, or even Fables, I think, where they've, they've had other creators come in and do like a little four page story. Um, or, um, you know, or draw like, you know, a pinup on a page that is something poignant or something else going on or take another character's perspective, um, and do something like that. Like almost more like slice of life in the world of the walking dead for a hundred ish issue. Um, and, and they, and they, you know, they didn't, I, you know, they just decided to carry on the story that they've been telling in this, you know, trade arc, uh, that's been going on. So, um, I guess in in that respect, I can't say disappointed with the issue because I I, I really wasn't. I mean, it was a good solid issue. It did it it was pretty uh, good about building tension and um, you know keeping you on your toes as far as what's going on. But again, I think we're just so conditioned for something bad is going to happen, somebody big is going to die. That that's exactly what we got, and it's you feel almost let down, but then when you think about it, it's like, why am I let down? Because it was well, you know, in general, it was well told, well crafted, very, uh, um, you know, very, very important. Um, as far as the choice to kill Glenn, I'm not real happy with that. And I know they've killed many characters in this. Um, That's the point this, though, Russell. R- right, right. But I, I guess I saw Glenn as, as one of the most unique characters. Um, in in the book and i think now that he's gone that some of uh, you know some of these other characters i think can be somewhat interchangeable um with each other i think glenn brought something a little more unique than the rest i think he was more of a lot of people thought of him as more of a point of view character for the reader you know somebody kind of just like you um you know and then and then the direction they were taking him in so i think the book might suffer a little bit without him being there and and i mean this is the walking dead characters rotate in and out all the time so it's very very possible that they'll um, bring somebody in that will you know take that place or fill that void that uh that glenn is gonna is gonna miss do you guys think and i hate to use the word jump the shark because i don't think that the book is has jumped the shark but it almost seems like plot lines are kind of becoming rehashed you know they're going through and we've got another big big bad that's crazy that is part of a community that's separate um it's been wave after wave of attack do you think after a hundred issues and and this upcoming plot line that maybe something needs to happen to freshen the book up and give it a different take i mean do you think maybe now's the time to maybe do a five or ten year jump ahead and maybe let carl take the spotlight or 
you know, do you do you think that no, it's it's telling a good story, and Kirkman will continue to to think of things to to carry it through? I, I'm I'm just curious, like, okay, we're 100 issues in. Where where do we go with the next hundred? I think I think you might be onto something. Um, you know, I'm I'm reading more and more uh, posts and articles on the internet about people who are growing weary of of the book, who are being able to you know, predict what's going to happen next. I've seen a couple of, of, you know, web comics about, you know, your typical, like how to write a walking dead storyline. And then it, it follows the beats of, you know, all the stories that have happened in this book. And there's some truth to what they're saying. So, you know, we love our zombies, but how many, how many times can we read the same story over and over again? So, you know, it it might be time to do something drastic. I'm pretty much always a fan of the jump ahead in time, fill it in later storylines in comics or any medium, really. So I would be a fan of that. However, I mean, and granted, I haven't read every issue of, um, I guess the last one I read was A Larger World. So I haven't read anything except for a hun- uh, issue 100 of the current arc. But I kind of thought that was giving it a new new spin, a new twist of the whole, you know, separate communities working together, that whole thing. I thought that was a really cool idea. Now, granted, maybe in the four issues since then that I haven't read, things have gone back to the way they were. I don't know. But I thought if they continued down that path line, it could be cool. That said, they want to do a a jump forward in time. They want to all of a sudden start following a different character for an arc or two or something. I'm totally cool with that. I mean, I think that could be very fun and and invigorate the series. I think other than doing our trade coverage i think this is probably the most we've talked about the comic on a show at any one time so it's kind of it's kind of uh an odd feeling on the walking dead tv podcast to spend as much time talking about uh the comic as we have but uh but it's it again i I, you know like i said earlier it's it's rare that this kind of event comes along and i think it's worth discussing even if um you know the average tv viewer you know doesn't really care or you know or maybe maybe they just don't care about spoilers and are never going to read the comic and figure, you know, I'd like to hear what these knuckleheads have to have to say. So, well, you're you're definitely right. This is the most we've spoken about the comic itself. Um, but you know, it's in the spoiler section, and and we don't do this very often. And we, you know, like we we go to great, we take great pains to not spoil stuff. So, anyway, you know, I we can do this every once in a while. Right on. So I think that will conclude our discussion of issue 100. I hope everybody who stuck around to listen to it enjoyed that. And uh, who knows, we might do it again in the future if there's some anniversary issue or giant big death or, I don't know, they have an issue where they find an ice cream truck and all all enjoy some ice cream five years after the zombie apocalypse. Who knows? But uh, that'll that'll be the end of this episode. Have a good one, everybody. Bye.